with the score tied 2-all, Presetti was safe on an infield hit. Johnson drills a single past Marion at short, Presetti stopping at second. With one out in the last of the ninth, Marion singles. Lickweiler also singles, and the tying run is on base. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 because you'll save 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD-infused, deliciously rich and potentially life-altering Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me for this Wednesday edition of the DFA show is A.J. Hayley filling in for Patrick Lyons. You know him from all the fantastic work they do over there at the DNVR Avalanche, bringing me on board, of course, over the last year as the newest, biggest, well, I don't know if I'm the newest, biggest, but I'm one of the newest, biggest hockey fans out there and excited to do that. But since A.J. has given me such a great opportunity to start talking about and thinking about and, and watching hockey over the last year, I thought, what a great opportunity now that we are playing the World's Series out there that we bring AJ on and just get some baseball talk out of you, man. I, I know you love the game. I, I know you take it in, not always just uh, from a Colorado perspective either. And so I figured it'd be fun to just talk about some of your, your memories, whether it be from the Rockies run in 2007, some Astros stuff. We can do it. We can live through it. We'll be fine. Uh, but also just just enjoying some baseball, man. How how you feeling? How's life? I'm good. Um, you know, life is um, you know, yeah. It feels it feels weird to say life is good during uh during a pandemic in which everybody's life is compromised in some way. But right. I feel like you know I'm I'm making the most of the opportunities given to me by the world. So it's all I, uh, it's all I feel like any of us can do. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I I feel the same way. But as I was saying there, you know, I, you and I have talked a little bit just in life about that 07 Rockies run. As of course, anyone, you know, who's followed baseball around these parts has done. Um, but I don't think you've had a chance to come on here and share some of your thoughts. So when you think back on that time, what are the biggest things that stick out to you? Um, <clears throat> I mean, like iconic moments, right? Like, you know, Todd Helton with the last out, Eric Burns sliding head first, and just that that like rivalry that had been growing between specifically Burns and the Rockies. So and beautiful. yeah, and and like it just the the karmic justice, you know, that it it was just like ah. Uh. And it was it I think about like just kind of how cruel baseball was to Arizona in that series. Cause it was like so many like goofy runs, like blue pits and, you know, pop-ups that, that landed in that awkward space between a left fielder and a third baseman where both guys are running full speed and they just right in between them. And you're just like, that's baseball. Baseball bow. <laughs> so yeah. It goes. And it's, it's just so, you know, those are the those are the things I think about. I think about 
you know, the the just the excitement of being like, oh my God, this team just went on this crazy run to get in the playoffs. The Phillies are a monster. And Jeff Francis strikes out the side. Right. And like I felt like that just settled everybody down. Fan base, team, everything, where it was like, do we belong here? And then Jeff Francis was like, oh yeah, we belong. And I think that just sort of set the tone for the entire run where it was like, this is going to be a lot of fun. And all of those series have have moments, even the dreaded World Series, where really nothing went well. I mean, it's, you know, there were there were even some moments in that series where you can remember them fondly. Yeah, totally. And and it's it's funny because they do sour some of that. You know, I've looked back on some of these numbers <laughs> and Patrick and I have been doing some of these sort of retro looks at, at older seasons. And, you know, you think of Jeff Francis uh, as this guy, who, you know, sort of had one pretty good year in 07, but he wasn't dominant. He wasn't striking out a ton of dudes. The raw ERA is like a 480, something like that. You know, you're not getting overly excited about it. But you look at what he did in, in that postseason run, uh, starting off the game against Philadelphia, like you said. And then uh, we talked last week about how they win in, in game one of the NLCS against Arizona in their house. He goes 6.2 innings of one-run baseball. Like Jeff Francis was so good that year, yeah. and uh, and I feel like he doesn't often get nearly enough credit because Ubaldo Jimenez was kind of coming in right behind him, was emerging as that strikeout guy and would be the much better pitcher for the next couple of seasons. But it's like, man, Francis was so good. And, of course, we know you know he got just absolutely obliterated in game one of the World Series against the Boston Red Sox, which that's a tough way. To, to finish the best season by far of your career and the most important start of it, you just get absolutely demolished. Yeah. And he, uh, he got Cy Young votes that year too. Like, yeah, he, like he was, it wasn't like he was like competitive for it, but uh, I know he, somebody gave him a vote that year. Yeah. He was okay. Yeah. But you know, he had it like was, 17 wins, you know, and that was still back when exactly that yeah. was they were still to people were still like wins, and it was like <laughs> Rocky's pitcher with wins, and so somebody threw him a bone. So I I remember that, and like I I loved Jeff Francis, so that was a, that was a, something that just stood out to me, especially was the way that I was like, okay, well. If they're gonna if they're gonna belong in the playoffs, you know Jeff Francis is gonna have to be the man. He goes out there and and was not like a big strikeout guy, and he just blows him away in the first inning. And it was like, right. all right, cool, we cool, we cool. Yeah. The other tone setting thing that I I think happened in that game was uh, Todd Helton hitting a triple in his very first postseason at bat after he had like yeah. not been in the postseason for a decade, uh, and then he kind of went cold the rest of that postseason. He was like, okay. But but again, it was almost yeah. It it almost doesn't matter because that first triple, it's like you said about Francis. It just said to the team, "We belong here. We're going to keep doing what we've been doing for these last fifteen days for and keep it going." And it that was that team was so much fun to watch. Yeah, they and they had a really you know traditional old school lineup. You know, with the the speed at the top, power in the middle, and then you're just hoping to survive at the end. Right. Right. It's kind of funny, though. I've been going back over, you know, certain numbers, too. And I don't think that team gets enough credit for being as balanced as they were. They actually had they had a good lineup. They had a good rotation. They had a good bullpen. It's one of the few teams in history that wasn't like 
dramatically pulled by either really good pitching or really good hitting. It's like, no, they were just pretty good all the way around. They just had that weird sequencing at the end. Yeah, they uh, they had so many guys, and and like the homegrown aspect of it, right, was really what I think made that team feel like family. Like like when you were watching them, they felt like like they were part of your extended sports family. Like you know, like uh, the the, Bron- the Broncos go and get a bunch of these guys, and they win the. 2015 Super Bowl, but it was like Peyton Manning and you know right, like T- TJ Colts. Ward and Demarcus Ware and yeah, Akeem yeah, yeah. Tlaib, you know, like straight mercenary their way to to that Super Bowl. Where it was like Vaughn was like the like the guy, right? And then that Rockies team was the exact opposite, right? You know that so many of those guys were and and they were like just just kind of starting out. You know they had they had Holiday and Hop and Atkins and Tulo and and Helton and Ionetta and it was just like yeah they were all they were all guys that the Rockies you know had developed it really the only the only kind of big imports you know were uh, that team were Willie Tavares Willie and, Tavares and Kaz. Kaz too. Yeah. yeah 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 it it was a uh, and. You know, it's they, they still try to build that way for better, for worse at times. Uh, you know, they they stick to that that homegrown talent thing. But it is one of the nice things that, you know, when the Rockies do get good for a minute, when they do go on a run, it's with their guys. And you can feel that extra sense of of pride about it. I've always kind of appreciated that. Um, so let's go ahead and get into the World Series, since that is the major topic of the day. Uh, that season, obviously, you know, uh, you know, game one, Rockies opened up with a 13 to one loss in Boston after the uh, 10 game, 10 day layoff, waiting around for Boston to come back on Cleveland. Uh, and and so that, you know, there, there wasn't a whole lot. I was looking actually for a, a highlight package. I went to YouTube, AJ and I typed in Colorado Rockies 2007 World Series highlights. And believe it or not, nothing came up. Uh, there, there wasn't, there wasn't a highlight reel, uh, but there was one thing that, uh, Kale, if you've got it, we can run one, one thing you can remember about that entire postseason run, really about that entire season. One guy you could count on one guy you could rely on. And, and one of the biggest moments came in game three, Matt holiday, hitting this three run Jack out to center field to put a huge spark uh, into the Coors Field crowd, and, and that's that's kind of the height of the excitement that a Coors Field crowd has gotten to feel in a World Series. That moment right there to make it a one-run game. Uh, you know, the Rockies lost game one uh, uh, by so much, but they lost game two by just a single run. So at this moment, you're thinking you, you may be in a dead heat with these guys, especially if you can take this game. This Look at those people going wild, man. Yeah, that uh and and I can't um the holiday home the holiday home run was like predictable. It was because it he had done that so many times during that run that he had it was it just you could just feel it. He just kept meeting the moment. Yeah. And you know that game. That game felt so terrible. Uh, 
because they got down like it was what six nothing. Yeah. And all they climbed all the way back with that home run. It was like, okay, now it's one run. Like anything can happen. It's Coors Field, you know, and then you know, of course, they would run away with it. But that moment was like, oh my God, here we get like this is this is gonna be the magic is back. Here like this is this is gonna be a thing. Yeah. Like this yeah. yes, this is gonna happen. And it just yeah. it just didn't, man. It they just could not they just couldn't quite hang with that Red Sox team that was riding all the momentum. Right. You know, they the way that they'd come back three one against Cleveland and rolled right into the world series. Like there was no break, no delay. There wasn't like a, an awkward period of time where they're just sitting around, you know, they, they, they just, just, talking about that world series is hard because it's, it feels like that it, you know, it, it feels like one of the Broncos blowout Super Bowl losses where you get there and you're just not that close and it's not competitive enough. Yeah, and it just feels sad. Yeah, I was just gonna chime in and say, Rocktober is simultaneously like one of the three greatest sports memories of my life, and also one of the most painful sports memories of my life, all at the same time. Yeah, right. It it it's just brutal, and it does come with that that bit of what if, because I don't think too many people would argue that, oh, no, the Rockies were the better team on paper and they got screwed by the schedule. But I, I, you do have to wonder what it would have been like if the Rockies had been playing at their best, if they still had their heat and their momentum from that entire run and hadn't been sitting around for nine days waiting for that. Yeah, if Cleveland had just done the job. Right. Um, and, and again, and Cleveland was probably, again, the better team on paper. But if they had hit the Rockies right then – and again, it's it's a bit of a, a misnomer to look back entirely and say they didn't hang it out. Now, two two of the games were blowouts, and I think you're right. Like they they couldn't really hang with those guys. But uh, game two and game four being decided by one run. Ubaldo Jimenez pitched incredibly well in game two. And for me, I, I was you know one of the greatest memories of that time was the fact that they handed the ball to Aaron Cook at all in game four. Uh, Cook had been such an important part of building to get to that moment and and as one yeah. of his pitchers in Rockies history but he missed most of that season with a blood clot issue and it, it, it number for whatever reason Rockies have had a, a number of pitchers struggle with this blood clot thing and uh you know he hadn't pitched in months since like June and to throw him in there for game four of the World Series and then him to go out and actually, you know, do pretty well for himself. Not not overwhelming. Let me see if I can pull up the numbers really quick. Um, there it is. He uh, gave up three runs in six innings and six hits at Coors Field. It's a quality start at Coors Field in game four of the World Series against that Boston Red Sox offense after having not pitched in months like Again, it's a weird silver lining story where you're like, do I feel good about the fact that that's also the day that the Red Sox celebrated a World Series at Coors Field? But it was really cool to see Aaron Cook get out there and do that. Yeah, and then, I mean, you that was awesome, but it's it sucks to like look back on it and then look at just the rotation that Boston threw 
at the Rockies. Yeah. Where, you know, they they just casually roll out Josh Beckett and then Kurt Schilling and then Daisuke Matsuzaka and then John Lester. And you're like, come on. Come on, man. Like, I I love Aaron Cook, but... Talk about some mercenaries. Yeah, you're talking. You're talking game four against John Lester. Yeah, in, in an elimination game, and John Lester just. Oh, by the way, like the greatest postseason pitcher ever. So, right. cool. Well, they would get their revenge in 2018, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Take guess. that, John Lester. <laughs> Take that wild card loss. That's right. That'll no. I don't. I don't think that would quite evened out the ledger there. Uh, all right. If I wasn't still drinking my Strava Craft coffee, I probably would have reached for a Breck brew by now. Especially because they've got that Palisade Peach situation going on. I know I'm biased because that is literally my hometown. I typically tell people I'm from Grand Junction because they know what that is. But no, my mail gets sent to Palisade. Well, now my mail gets sent to Boulder, but. First 18 years of my life, I grew up right around those peaches. They're the best in the world. Now they're putting those peaches into a wheat beer at Breckenridge and Friends. It is absolutely delicious. You can get some uh, at most liquor stores, you know, grocery stores, King Supers, wherever you're going. But the best place to get it is down at the farmhouse. They're open from noon to 8 p.m. You call 303-803-1380. You use the promo code DNVR and you'll save five bucks off the whole thing, both the food and the beer, which is a pretty cool situation to be in. And I'm telling you, you're not going to be disappointed in that Palisade peach wheat beer. Even if you're not a beer drinker, I recommend you try it. Just just let me know what you think. Tell them Drew sent you out there to the farmhouse. It's good stuff. Have you had the Palisade peach yet, AJ? Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I'm not um, not the biggest of the beer drinkers, but I like it enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's well, that's rare for me to actually be like, yeah, I drink that. that yeah, that, that's kind of what I was wondering about is like, because I know like if I ask Ruta that question, he's like, yeah, it's awesome. I've pounded like 20 of them. You ask Ruta that question and he's already like halfway through the can. Like, <laughs> right, right. Is that so not what I'm like, supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. that's a, so that from you is, is a ringing endorsement. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I figured we'd, we'd stretch out a little bit here and talk about just some of the, the baseball memories of recent past. As well you know out there if you're listening slash watching this. And remember, you to join us at 4.05 p.m. Monday through Friday on uh, Facebook and Periscope. On Wednesdays, we're also on YouTube for this special DFA show uh, where we're playing clips and having fun and, and doing a little bit of extra stuff here and so make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube. You click the little bell icon so you get a notification when we're going live. You don't want to miss out on any of that. I think one of the uh, things we were talking about this a little bit before we came on, one of the more interesting recent World Series runs, just to comment on from the perspective of people who watch baseball, was the, can we call it, magical run of the Chicago Cubs in 2016 when they finally broke the curse. Uh, AJ, what was your reaction? Just blanket statement here. 
were you rooting for the Cubs to break this curse? Were you hoping it lasted forever? Did you did you like this team? Uh, I know you were watching this. Uh, this is gonna this is gonna sound super salty, but uh, well, I was already. absolutely I was in no way rooting for the Cubs to 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 end that thing uh, because screw the Cubs and all of Chicago. Honestly, I I can't stand Chicago. That. It's it, I, I'm so, I can't stand Chicago sports fan. The city's actually awesome, but it's the greatest city that everybody moves away from, yeah. which is why the the Cubs have such a wonderful fan base all across the entire country. Right. It's because everybody is born there, or anybody that's ever been there for 25 minutes claims to be from there because their uncle was from there and had pizza there one time, and blah 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 blah. <laughs> and it's just it's the worst. They're, the Chicago sports fans are just the worst. Like they're they're great because they're so passionate and they care so much, but they're the worst because everybody else has to put up with them. And there's a reason that even New York fans are like, "Uh, we're good." <laughs> even Boston fans are like, "Ah, oh, those guys are a little much." It's right. they suck, dude. Oh, I I was in no way rep- Cleveland. Cleveland is like heartbreak city, right? Was absolutely rooting for Cleveland because this was during Believeland. You right. know, when, when LeBron won the NBA title back in his, you know, near his hometown, right. this was like, this is going to be the golden era for Cleveland. So I was in no way rooting for the Cubs in no way. And I can't, I can't imagine that there would ever be a situation in my lifetime in which I ever would root for the Cubs. But that said, when it was over and it's like, great, now Cubs fans are going to be even worse. Like. I'm happy for the 85-year-old guy that spent his entire life getting his heart broken by that franchise. Sure. You know, like I'm I'm happy I'm happy for the generations of families that will have watched Cubs games together and gone through the pain and like sat in the living room when families still did that and actually watched sports together. And like the way that the way that you know just generations of Cubs fans hurt. Yeah. And then to 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 see them win that like I was I was happy I was happy for that I was happy for Dexter Fowler, love sure. Dex like I was <laughs> right, I was right. happy for for that dude, but once it was because like once it was over like it's done, you 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 let the anger go you let the hate go it's over you tip your cap and you say hey, it, and and game seven was an awesome game yeah it was it was one of the more entertaining games that you could imagine and at that point you're just like. These people suck, but I'm happy for them. Like, in, I'm not. I'm not going to rain on their parade. Yeah, no, I, I had I had very mixed feelings about this whole thing for a lot of the reasons why you mentioned there too, right? Like, I've I've always had difficulty oh, with that tying home run. Oh, Rajay Davis. Oh, that was awesome. It, this this World Series had like the best like yeah. WWE style headline promo to build in, in quite some time, right? Just coming into it, either one of these teams is breaking a super long curse, right? Yeah. And that the thing is going to go seven games and that the seventh game is going to go down to the final innings was just like, you, yeah. you couldn't have scripted it out any better, except for I agree. You know, it was, I had a, a roommate at the time who was a huge Cubs fan. And so I knew a ton about how they had built this team, you know, coming up through the minors. And um, I've always really liked guys like Anthony Rizzo in particular. Uh, I just, I like him as a ball player. 
Uh, he's but, just so damn likable. Yeah. <laughs> I hate I hate that I like Anthony Rizzo as much as I do. Yeah. He just seems like a gigantic ball <laughs> who's really good at baseball and just plays for the wrong franchise. Totally. Um, but but I'm with you. I wanted I wanted Cleveland to win this so bad, and they were right there. Uh yeah. and I still um oh, and there it is, that that final out. But that that was the most entertained I've been by a World Series, um, maybe ever. <laughs> like that was, uh, that was it was really really good. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know those those Kansas City World Series were pretty entertaining. Those were pretty and fantastic as well. Um, I have a I have a good friend who's a diehard Royals fan, and he was just like. This will only happen once in my life. All I want is for this just this one time. And so, like, I was I was super happy for him. Yeah, but yeah, it well, was that that Cubs thing, man. It was it was hard. It was hard to watch them celebrate. And like, Cubs fans were already obnoxious jerks all right? the time. Like, they roll into Coors Field and they're just like, "Man, Cubs!" And you're like, "Yeah." How how are you this arrogant about such a crappy franchise? Right. <laughs> and then they, they win a title, and then it looks like they're set up for, like, dynasty levels. And it's crazy now to look back, like, seeing how those careers have played out. Yeah. It's crazy to look back at, like, Kyle Schwarber we thought was going to be, like, a superstar because right. he barely played at all, missed that entire year with injury, rolls out and has, like, five hits in nine at bats or something in the playoffs. And you're like, who is, who is right. this guy? Right. And like Chris Bryant, you know, who should have been a Rocky, right? Like was right. this close to being a rock? Like, ah, uh, some like seriously, like Anthony yeah. Rizzo, very likable. And then you look at, you look at how some things have gone since then. And those guys have not kept up that pace of play. Right. And you're just, it's kind of like, wow, that that World Series was kind of fluky. Yeah, it, you know, it's interesting, but of course, you know, you'll you'll take it. I've, I've seen some people recently, it's become kind of in vogue to, like, criticize uh, Theo Epstein for not turning that team into a dynasty. And so part of me is like, I guess it could have, should have, would have been, but bro. I, he, I saw something on Twitter the other day about yeah, the guy, like, the they were supposed to be the Dodgers and Yankees of the heartland. And it was like, bro, they've won more world series than either one of those franchises in the last decade. Right. 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 Winning the world series is, you know, very hard to do. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even, even when you pay your way into playoff teams every year, it's really hard to do. The current Dodgers are, they, they've what, how many NOS titles in a row have they won? Nearly a decade's worth, mm-hmm. and they're. It's gonna take. I mean, they're finally gonna win it this year, but you know, asterisks and stuff. Is that who you got? Is that who yeah, you got on the the, the DraftKings sportsbook app? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's they, probably who you got. I watched that whole Dodgers Brave series. I had it going on while um, I was playing through Divinity Two, and it was just like. That was a fantastic series, by the way. I just think really this Dodgers, Dodgers team is just too good, man. You just can't make mistakes with them because they kill you. Yeah, Mookie Betts finally showed up. He yeah. was, he did nothing that entire LCS. He does nothing, 
And then, like, he makes a great defensive play in game six on Marcelo Zuna, and then he's awake. And then he becomes the best player on the planet since that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Switch flips, man. Yeah, that's great ones do it like that sometimes, and, and he's an absolutely great one. Hey, if you're with AJ, you got the Dodgers winning this thing. Maybe you want to make a little bit of money on that. You can probably still go and throw down a little bit of cash. The the still plenty of time for uh, the Rays to win it as well. If you think maybe that's the smart money to go with, either way, you can drop it at DraftKings Sportsbook app. Great way to just make a little bit more fun out of these games, especially when your ball club's not in it. You got some skin in the game. It can make it a lot more fun. Plus, you can fatten up your wallet a little bit if you do it wisely. You place a couple of you know low-dollar bets here and there, and DraftKings Sportsbook starts throwing free money at you to throw at whatever kind of betting you want to do. Whether you're into this World Series, you feel like you've got a handle on it, you're already into football season, you're thinking about that, you're getting – Really excited about rugby. I see all of you out there getting excited about our rugby coverage. Well, you can bet on all of it at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And if you use the promo code DNVR when you sign up, you get a bonus of up to $1,000. That's right. Promo code DNVR gets you a sign-up bonus of up to a G. That's the technical term for it. $1,000 is 1G. That's what you get when you use that promo code DNVR. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match. Each up to 500 bucks. Deposit bonus requires 25 by playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. So you mentioned the uh, Royals World Series. That was my other... Uh, major one. I, I have family connections there, of course. Uh, both of my parents were big Kansas people, KU basketball people. Um, so the, my dad the Royals, as well. yeah. Uh, so the, the the Royals have always been kind of the AL team of the family. Uh, so that was a nice little run there with back to back World Series appearances, the win in 2015. One of the things I remember, and I've kind of carried this with me, maybe a little too much uh, ever since then, was. Um, the way that like the emerging analytics community hated those Royals. Yeah. <laughs> That's super old school. Like we're going to, we're going to steal bases. We're going to sacrifice bunt. We're going to have the same guys pitch the seventh, eighth and ninth innings. We're not going to, you know, the high leverage situations are what we tell them they are right. not what they end up actually being in the game. But we're going to have, we're just going to, and we're going to do it every day. We're going to yeah. win, we're going to win three to two every day and just scratch it out. Yeah, it was, it was funny. And it was really interesting because I, I feel like, you know, you should sort of want the, the facts and the data to play out and to, you know, assess thereafter and rooting for a particular outcome to prove your. <laughs> hypothesis uh just feels totally backwards to the idea of like the analytic movement to me so i've, I've always thought about this uh, I, I think about this a lot the way people basically came out and wanted this to not work basically because it was disproving that there's only one way to play baseball um they were doing exactly the opposite of everything that you're supposed to do from you know the the just crunch the numbers standpoint and yet they went to back-to-back World Series and and took this second one. It was 
it was a team that still i don't know if anyone's written a book out there about this team yet but if they have someone point me in the direction because i'd love uh, to yeah. learn their Same. thoughts on how and why this worked for them oh yeah we're just watching this like <laughs> just watching the highlight yeah uh, i and and like that that it's funny to you know talking about the the cubs and how they're you know they they built what looked like just such a superstar laden roster and then you look at this Mets team you look at that rotation at the time you know and it's and to see how it's progressed over the years right and it's like how have you done so little right with with a rotation like that meanwhile most get- of the guys on this Royals team like they're still contributing players just they couldn't afford them anymore now they all play for other teams <laughs> yeah yeah i mean they got they got broken up into i mean they those guys just scattered to the wind they're all over the place now yeah i just wanted to talking about this royals team and it has nothing to do with the world series so i'm sorry but it was the 2014 wild card game at the very start of this two-year-long postseason run um where going into the seventh inning they bunted in a run to tie it and it was one of the most entertaining baseball games I've ever watched in my life and I just remember watching that game at the start of this what I consider to be a magical run because they were just like you said in the face of all analytics what it was supposed to be and just remember I could not care less about the Royals I have absolutely no attachment to them whatsoever and I found myself cheering them for two straight years because of one baseball game that was incredibly entertaining they uh they were the ones that came back on the A's. Yeah. Yeah. In that wild card game, they were down like eight nothing or something, and they just just to remind Oakland that the baseball gods hate them. <laughs> and they're not allowed to have anything nice. It's like the A's and twins are on this like special level of misery where they're allowed to be good in the regular season, maybe even when they shouldn't be. Right. But when they get to the postseason, it's like nope. And here they are winning you game don't get one anything. of the World Series in extras on a sack fly. Yeah, I mean, game one <laughs> goes to 14 innings. And that, uh, and that game, like, the that World Series starts with an inside-the-park home run. Mm-hmm. Like, That's right. Just a, just a goofy series, dude. That Royals team was so much fun. And, like, uh, the bi- all the big Alex Gordon moments. Right. You know, there was a... When he, when he played his last game, this last regular season, you know, and they... They pulled him off the field and to to give him the respect and all that. Like and his family's like bawling in the stands, and you just right. can't help but ball with them. Right. It's like <laughs> you forget that like there were some legitimately great moments that guy produced for that franchise. Yeah, a franchise that really has been irrelevant for a long time. Yeah, was wasn't. Game- they hadn't been. I think they went maybe twenty years between postseason appearances. Yeah, like they when they drafted him, it was like cool, the Royals, and then now it's gotten all the way through his career again. It's cyclical, right? Like at the end of the career, we're back to right. cool Royals. But right. there was just this this brief brief period of time here, these couple of years, where that team was. Oof, right. They were good. And uh, Johnny Cueto was their 
one their one mercenary we talked earlier about some of the teams that were built more on mercenaries and homegrown they were they were homegrown their one mercenary was like the most lovable mercenary of all time yeah Johnny Cueto. yeah he was only there for I, I think like half a season and was extraordinary for the Royals down the stretch there so solid mid-season acquisition there I love Johnny they Cueto. they were a great example of you have to pick your spots and you have to be right yeah you have to make hard decisions and working in the in the financial constraints that these baseball teams have to live under you know they you have to you have to get the decision right when you make that big move and that the that royals team it was just they ripped off like a big string of them where they were they were just nails oh who was it i, I didn't see who was playing second for the the mets on that team i must have missed that but I'm assuming it was Daniel Murphy. Oh yeah, that would have been in that time. Yep, yep, and and that would have been the postseason where I think he set uh, a record <laughs> for home runs. He just kept hitting home runs. Yeah, he just kept hitting, and they yeah. were all off of like Hall of Famers too. He took Kershaw deep. He took. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I'm trying to maybe Max Scherzer or something. Like, I mean, like just straight up, like yeah. best all time dudes. Uh, and one of the reasons I know that is because every time. Uh, they introduce him on MLB the show. They introduce him as postseason record holder Daniel Murphy. <laughs> and there's yeah, that party that goes. Yeah. <laughs> as great yeah. as the show is, that commentary, man. Oh, yeah. I know. It can, it can be pretty brutal. It can be pretty brutal. All right. You want to talk about either of these Cardinals wins? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I, I didn't think that you would. Um, how about you know Boston? the uh, the 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 freeze thing was pretty cool. The David Freeze thing was pretty cool, though. Again, yeah. I look back on that. That was uh, Rangers that that got crushed there, right? Um, uh, was that yeah. Part of the back to back. See again, I, I I always just feel so bad for the Rangers getting to uh, within an out of winning the World Series. Yeah. Two years in a row. And out. I mean that's. Brutal. That's brutal. I don't know that there's a like a comparison in another sport that you could. Uh, you know, it's not. It's not quite like throwing a pick six to lose the Super Bowl two years it's, in a row. It's kind but, of. It's kind of like um, the Boston Chicago Stanley Cup final, where Boston was leading by a goal, and then gave up two goals in the last ninety seconds to lose. And that oh. and Chicago won the series yeah. on that. Yeah, it's kind of like that two years in a row. Oh, right, but it happened two years in a row. Absolutely brutal. But the the David Freeze, uh, the the him getting to be a the big hero. I I am also a sucker for any you know David Freeze, Jamie Carroll. Oh um, yeah, like the, anytime the little dude, the, the is, who guy? Yeah, Tony Walters getting the single up the middle a couple of years ago. Even that. Yeah, the like, very last guy on the bench where it was like, we really, we've done everything possible to avoid using this guy. Please don't make us pinch hit him. And then he does, and he delivers for you, and you're just like, that's baseball. Had it the whole way. Uh, <laughs> Had it, I mean, how can you not be romantic about baseball? Uh, exactly right. The last one I'll ask you about then from the recent memory, since we did go over the Cubs breaking the curse was the Red Sox breaking their curse in 2004. What was your, 
attachment or, or memory or relationship to that event because it, it's one for me and Patrick and I talked about this a little bit last week, but that, um, you, you know, it is, it, it's hard for me to separate the just amazingness of the baseball story that they finally pulled it off and not just like you just said, how, how can you not be romantic about yeah. the, the Red Sox I, finally winning? They I mean, it was in 07, but Oh four, I'm fine with them having. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, you know, there, there was no, it's funny because like today, you know, they've, they've won three titles. They kind of, they kind of oscillate between being terrible and being really, really good randomly again. And, you know, we, we think of them as kind of the evil empire right next to the Yankees because of how much money they're willing to spend and how, how they build via mercenary, you know, they, they go out and they pay for all the talent in the world to, to, to get good instead of growing it like 20 and 25 other baseball franchises have to figure out how to do all the time. Like you know, they're, they're, David Ortiz came from other teams. People for you, people just think of them as, you know, these Red Sox institutions. Like those guys were, were both brought in. From yeah. Well, and David Ortiz wasn't even good when uh, the right. twins waved that guy. Like right. he was, t- he was totally free. Right. And I, it, you know, in 2004, like it's, it's, you know, in 2020, we view the Red Sox in a certain light, but in 2004, there was no bigger face of consistent failure than the Red Sox. Like the Cubs, the Cubs didn't win often enough for us to think about them like that. Right. The Red Sox were a team that found themselves. They built good teams over and over and over across multiple decades. It wasn't like they built one good team that had a good five-year run and gee golly, they just couldn't break through. Right. You know, like that Rangers squad, for example, right. like, like those old Tigers teams, you know, like the, from, from the, whenever those guys were good, they're all, they've all mashed together, mm-hmm. but it's the like, K-line Dodgers. like the, that, like the Red Sox, every decade they went to the world series, you know, like they always were there and they always found a way to screw that thing up. Yeah. They they were always they had Hall of Fame talent was constantly churning through that place and they weren't doing anything with it, right? And then in 2004, you know they're down three nothing to the Yankees, the the evil empire of all of sports, and did some like they it was it was the perfect like you have to exercise your demons, and they they did it in such a way you know we've. I was going to make a hockey analogy, but I baseball fans don't want to hear it. So I'll move on. They, they slayed the, they slayed the dragon in like the most like dramatic way possible. They slayed. And once you, once you get through that, you never look back. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the, the, the way that the franchise has acted once they, once they beat the Yankees, there was, there was no longer anything to ever hold them back again. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> I remember watching those games and and thinking like it's going to fall apart again. It always well, does. It was fun. Like I, you know, we complain now that the Yankees and Red Sox they play nineteen times a year and all nineteen of them are on ESPN. And it's like, God, really, more of this? But like back in the early two thousands, I used to watch every Yankees Red Sox game on ESPN because yeah. I wanted to see how the Red Sox were going to screw it up again. <laughs> I, it was entertaining to watch as somebody who didn't care 
about that result. Like, oh, the Yankees win, great. The world stays the same. They lose, great. <laughs> that's even more fun. Right. And that's totally where we were at. And I think that's one of the reasons why just so many baseball fans have nothing but fond memories of that, because that was the spot we were in. Like you said, once they were down 3-0, yeah. we all thought, okay, one of two things is going to happen. The Yankees are going to win again. And, and coming off of the 90s, we were also just used to it. Of course, the Yankees are going to end up in the World Series. Happens all the time. Right. Or we're going to watch one of the most amazing things that's ever happened in sports. And we did. Right. We really and it, did. Was, it really was. It, it <laughs> It's I I don't even know what else to say about it. It was just an it was an inc- incredible piece of theater. And like that it was capped off by them beating the Cardinals was just like <laughs> <laughs> like uh I love I love that that clip like the, the Cardinals fans have to watch that clip of the the Red Sox ending their misery on their home field. Right. Over and over and over and over for like for the rest of history. They have to watch that happen on their beloved home field, which they treat like the church of baseball. And they got pretty well mowed down too. They they Yeah, it wasn't really that competitive of a series. (laughs) Like we we're done with all this. Uh yeah, man. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Appreciate you coming and uh Basking in some memories about about some people. yeah. We gotta I mean, two thousand one was great too. Um, Luis Gonzalez and sure, you know, Mario run Mariano Rivera sure. blew a playoff game. Right, that one. You know, that future one game. future Rocky Byung Kim getting himself run out of the desert. Right, um, oh, man, it, yeah, that was just scary. especially yep. sweet. Um, one of my one of my friends' uh, parents growing up were huge Yankees fans. And they were they were atrocious human beings. So watching their misery was really quite wonderful. Right, they they really expected to win that one too. Then and those that Diamondbacks team was so easy to root for with the chilling Randy Johnson combo and the yeah. like said, Luis Gonzalez's super easy to root for player. Um, they have uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of the second baseman. Junior Spivey was he on that team? Uh, <laughs> they. Yeah, I don't yeah, remember they, anymore, man. I'm sorry. I was gonna say now. Now we're reaching a little further back into the memory. And like hideous uniforms. Oh yeah, Matt Williams. He on that team? He's uh, I, you know, I think there? he. I think he was. <laughs> Great sack of bunt there, Chief. Yeah, <laughs> quality decision. This is. I haven't actually watched this in a long time. This is. This is kind of fascinating how this all played out. I, I still can't believe. Mariano Rivera blew this save and blew this. Well, game. and like all of these guys are making quality contact off this guy. Yeah. Like that's a solid. Well, that was Tony save, Womack. Right? Tony Womack. Yeah. That might have been who I was looking for. Gosh, Craig Council. Bob Brenly. Yeah, look Canada. at Bob Brenly and look the at stash. Bob Brenly. And then here My he is. Gosh. Yeah, those unis are disgusting. <laughs> yeah, and those those hats are awful man loop it right back up the middle yep oh can you imagine that feeling running home how like the adrenaline rush that that would have had to have been right just make sure you touch home plate don't repeat merkel's boner and be the guy who lost the game because you didn't actually touch home plate at any point Uh, (sighs) memories yeah exactly how can you not be romantic about baseball Entirely right. Well, AJ, we'll have to invite you to come back and be romantic about baseball with us again. 
some other time, uh, maybe get your thoughts on the uh, off season once there's been one, see, uh, you know, what the Rockies are doing out there. No one knows. Uh, we're going to find out, but appreciate you talking some world series with us. Uh, everybody make sure to check out all the work they're doing over there. Of course, with the DNVR avalanche crew, great stuff going on these days. Uh, do you know when we're going to have hockey again? tentatively listed on January 1st. The more people around the league that I've talked to think that it's mid-January to February 1st is probably more realistic because of the importance of having fans in the stands. But right. still uh, still a moving target, still hoping for January 1st. Cool. Yeah, that'll be something we're we'll, we'll all be watching. Let's go. I'm I'm down. Yeah, it'll it that's something we're all going to be watching for, right? Because I think you know a lot of people are assuming uh, spring training will start at a normal time next year. We'll see. A lot of that's going to I think even be determined by how well the NHL and the NBA handle their situations and coming back and getting stands and the fans and being able to generate revenue without you know killing your audience. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, the NHL is in the worst spot because of the. Uh... The, the importance of the Summer Olympics and how they have to finish before the right. Olympics. So Right. That's going to be fascinating. So yeah. stay abreast of all of that information by following us all at uh, on the social media. You're, it's just at AJ Hayfley, right? You don't know, yeah. nothing special. Matt Drew Creaseman. We got at DNVR underscore Rockies. Kale, what you got? At, you're just at Kale Sorbo, right? literally We're, at Kale Sorbo. Just remember the two L's. Just we're all our names. If you can remember our names, put an at in front of it. You'll find us on social media. Subscribe to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on any of the written content. Plus, you get discounts on hats, shirts, masks. You get a bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar. All kinds of cool elements that come to being a part of the DNVR community. We always appreciate it. We love all of you out there. So continue to be absolutely awesome. We will continue to be absolutely AJ Hayfley, Drew Creaseman, and Kale Sorbo. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark. 